0: Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and today's episode is part two of our podcast on the 1985 version of Alice in Wonderland. This one covers the second episode of that miniseries, Through the Looking Glass. Joining me as before are my cousin Sarah and Nikki from Trivial Theater. We already did the intro in the last one, so let's just get right into the episode.
1: Now for the next two hours, <laughs> Through the Looking Glass. Which I actually think I liked better than
2: Alice.
0: I think I did too.
2: Oddly enough. <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence. Like there were things about it I enjoyed. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that I well, no, I well yeah. I, I'm one of those weird people that like of a of if it's like a two-part thing, I'm normally a fan of the first half and I don't know why. It's like that resolution never in regard to this is just kind of, it's not really resolution so much, it's just weird. I'm Weird not saying that,
1: that I I'm not saying that I love this. I'm saying that I found more good in it than than the first part. Oh no. I understand. And besides, we're gonna get to your beloved Harvey Corman. His name keeps coming off of your lips, so I have a feeling that you have a thing with him.
2: Well, you know, he was great in uh blazing saddles and he was excellent in um the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, Carol that's Burnett. That's what show. I know that's what I know him from. He was excellent in the pale. <laughs> um and he was so strange in the star wars holiday special so okay
0: that was such a treat
2: oh my god hey you still enjoyed the wookies in the world yes so don't i liked the him. end yes <laughs> which counts for something so i,
0: I didn't really love harvey corman's character though
2: <laughs> no nah, well the first character that he played was interesting the rest of them were just downright kind of dumb so uh, yes whip whip Whoopster, whoopster, whoop... whoop. Beat, beatster. This <laughs> is weird, Oh, that's like... right.
0: He played that one, too. I yeah. When I think of Harvey Korman, the story's probably special, I think of the guy with the volcano head.
2: Yeah, that was odd. That was very odd.
0: I forgot that he played the Julia Child alien, yeah. too. Yeah.
2: That was an interesting character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> On to bigger less. and better things. <laughs> the cliffhanger is taken care of quite quickly because it just disappears.
1: <laughs> does the Jabberwocky knock over the table or does Alice? Or like knock over the chest pieces. I think maybe it was Alice. Yeah, I to think get she away. Did. yeah. And one of the things okay, I think they, they also they tried to explain this like okay, say in Alice they were like, treacle, molasses for you americans or something like that and which is not the same thing but it's close enough um but then here they turn it instead of in the book it's like look out for the volcano I, yeah
0: i noticed that too and they, they made change it, it to a tornado
1: yeah which would be far more relatable to most americans
0: yes and i also thought of a tornado almost makes more sense than a volcano in this scene anyway Because, like, I never understood why the characters on the chessboard think that Alice is a volcano.
2: I mean, that voluptuous skirt, though, I mean, that thing's huge. (laughs) (laughs) And they did just blow up, so...
0: I suppose. But when they said tornado, I didn't really... Like, I was like, yeah, that's different, but, like, it kind of makes more sense. Because if they don't really see her, and they're just all of a sudden whisked through the air... I don't know. I thought the tornado might make slightly more sense.
2: It's also because we're from the Midwest and we can relate more to tornadoes <laughs> than to volcanoes. Yeah, I don't know how much those uh, Carol was thinking about tornadoes when he wrote
3: yeah, the Yeah, probably. I suppose
2: true. it was more the visual imagery of a of a of a volcano would be more in a kid's mind. Would be more explosive uh, without without being fantastic pun-ta- about it. Would be more explosive.
0: Maybe. Yeah.
2: They did well to actually include the scene. Um.
0: And the crying pawn. <laughs> but yeah, for the chess pieces, you have the Red Queen, played by Anne Jillian, who I didn't recognize, but I looked her up, and then I did recognize one thing that she'd been in. She played Bo Peep in the old Babes in Toyland movie, okay. oh, which nice. I only vaguely remember from childhood. And I've seen clips later on in life, and I'm like, that doesn't seem... To be as amazing as I thought it was when I was a kid.
2: It <laughs> uh, seldom is. very little is.
0: The Red King, I didn't really recognize that was Patrick Calatin.
2: Well, some of these, again, it's like the birds floating down the, the, I hate to say the river of tears, the, the, um, <laughs> the, the canal. Yeah. The canal of salty tears. <laughs> the brook at best. <laughs> and the brook at best of salty tears. <laughs> like they're big names, but they're, they don't have anything really for speaking lines they're literally there as window dressing
0: the red king in particular yeah and even in the book the red king doesn't do much
2: true that's true
0: and then of course the white queen is carol channing which i know who she is but i don't know what i know her from
1: diamonds are a girl's best friend
0: what was she was
1: the song like gentlemen prefer blondes that that movie or play did we
0: watch that one
1: I have seen the movie with Marilyn Monroe, but she was, like, the I think the original person. And I grew up listening to American Musical Theater, so I would have grown up listening to Carol Channing sing that song, and I don't know how much I realized it. Mm. Um, and when she was young, she pretty much had the same voice. I don't know why. Like, yes, this is a beautiful <laughs> 50 lady. 50 packs a day. <laughs> yeah. 50 she packs a-, a day. <laughs> um, But it's like, maybe it's just the byproduct of the jazz era of like this person is a pretty lady with a distinct voice <laughs> and a lot of personality so it's like and maybe that's how she became famous um very possibly but yeah she was also you know on Thumbelina her most iconic role. <laughs> no
2: gentlemen prefer blondes would be far more iconic um, she was also in thoroughly, thoroughly Modern Millie she was Muzzy Van Hosmere. and I I feel like I know the title. I have not watched that. That's okay. Yeah, I know
0: the title. I haven't seen it either.
2: I mean again, she's starred like she was a guest star in a ton of stuff. She was in the Adams Family TV series short as Grandma Adams. Uh
0: She would have a good voice for Grandma Adams.
2: Oh very good. <laughs> she was uh The Brave Little to- Toaster Goes to Mars.
0: I've seen the first Brave Little Toaster. I've never seen any of the sequels.
2: I haven't either. Um. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: (laughs) Are you having a repressed memory now?
1: I feel like I've heard of the Brave Little Toaster, but the fact that there would be sequels, I mean, (laughs) leave it to humanity. Oh boy. But yeah, no, very memorable. Oh, Did we talk about harvey corman yet not that well, the we ad- haven't got he him he's, he's the last he, one he keeps coming up but yeah <laughs> yes
0: white king is <laughs> harvey corman
1: which like he's one of the best characters on this adaptation
2: honestly mm-hmm. i would agree i mean i i have i he's been in so many of the movies that i love which I'm a, I'm a big mel brooks fan and he shows up so often with that and i was raised in the carol burnett show so all of those things that he did with uh, Tim Conway, especially. Like, they just mm-hmm. stand out as those classic moments of just just incredibly funny slapstick TV. They were good. They'd, I agree. Yeah, I mean,
1: I keep thinking about the scene with the waiter where he's, like, pretending to burp him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the dentist sketch, too, is, is just well, so awesome. And the,
1: I haven't, I mean, I've probably seen that. I haven't, like, exhaustively watch the carol burnett show but i realized with what i have watched that they were very good actors but yeah i'm sure we'll be talking about him further since he gets a fair amount of i mean he probably gets more airtime than carol on here yeah it's close if nothing it's else close, yeah so okay so she helps out the chess pieces and then does she just sort of wander out of the house
0: well she that, goes and this talks is where to the
1: Oh, this is owl, where they've right?
0: changed things, because an owl in a painting comes to life, and I don't think that that's in the book. Like, it's been a few years no, since I've read the book, but I, I would remember I an owl remember coming to owl life.
1: And, <laughs> and and then it was like this weird, I don't know, either depressive or preachy, did he sing? I can't remember now, did he sing? He's he definitely about, sang.
0: He's talking about the Jabberwocky, he says that it's all in her head, and it could come back at any moment, as long as she has fear in her mind.
1: Yeah. So don't think about the purple elephant. Don't think,
3: ah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think she actually leaves the house because I think she's just, once the painting comes to life, like, she's in the woods.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's she's got an amazing power of teleportation.
0: Yes. And the owl was played by Jack Warden. And I didn't really recognize him, except... He was the editor in The Great Muppet Caper. So, another Muppets connection.
3: Mm, Okay.
0: The guy at the beginning who was friends with Fozzie and Kermit's hybrid father.
2: Nice.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, okay. Now I have the connection going here. So, he played the owl and that. Yes. Okay. So, this character is basically not necessary it's just to bolster their false um extra plot line yes yep (laughs)
0: because because the jabberwocky is not really in the book either he's a poem in the book they've just turned him into an actual character it's almost
1: like taking father william and bringing him back scene after scene
0: Yes, basically. (laughs) He
1: has nothing to do with, like, yeah, he has a small part to do with this, but he has nothing to do with this, basically. Yes. They just decided to make a big deal out of the Jabberwocky.
0: Yes, and the owl says that in order to actually get home, she has to overcome her fear of the Jabberwocky to defeat him.
1: And thank goodness that's not real
3: life, because...
0: (laughs) because how do you overcome a fear of a giant hideous rubber monster who's chasing after you and would potentially eat you
2: especially one that contains tom mclaughlin (laughs) i i would actually hang out with tom for maybe a half hour i mean just to find out what he's
1: like talk about his glory days as a mime i i could see my sister liking this person she has that kind of uh, she has that zany streak in her
2: nice now, that's the one thing, and I guess this is more of a question from the perspective of one that is not in touch as much as I should be with, like, Alice in Wonderland and, and Through the Looking Glass. It's the things okay. that they talk about, kind of the, the themes of, like, not being scared and kind of, like, growing up and stuff. Like, those were just added more so by this specific version. Yeah. Uh, yes, totally, yes. Totally.
0: Those are not in the book. <laughs>
2: there, there's not, like... Like if you look at
1: Alice, if you want to find a a moral tone, you could think, oh, one of the strongest moral tones is keep your temper, or <laughs> your hair wants cutting, or you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's silly. It's supposed uh-huh. to be silly, and not not trying to force a seven-year-old into becoming. An adult, yeah, you need to be... Well, what's really cute in the book is the way she lectures herself about how, you know, there's no use in crying and da-da-da. Mm-hmm. But it's it's more cute and fun rather than putting a lot of pressure on somebody to grow up already so you can go sit with the adults and eat <laughs> jam. Because
2: <laughs> that just it came back so many times, and there were times where it was, especially in the second half, uh-huh. where it just kind of... You understood what they were trying to do, but it just, it didn't, it was like putting a square peg in a round hole. It It, just didn't work within what, what was going on.
1: And it's one thing to just encourage somebody to be brave. It's another thing to, I don't know. They just, it was, it was an odd. It was like they were just trying to tie it all together and that's how they chose to do it. Um, But it wasn't really necessary. Yeah. Those Um, threads were
2: um, tenuous at best at points. Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of versions try to do something like that, and it can be 50-50 whether it actually Mm. works or not. Because, like, in the 99 version, she had stage fright. She was supposed to sing at a garden party, and then throughout the course of the movie, she gets over being afraid.
1: But I don't know that anybody's pressuring her to be brave or anything.
0: It It wasn't made such a strong point of as it was in this one. Because this one, it just kept coming up because she's afraid of this Jabberwocky and it keeps showing up and chasing her. And they really beat this one over the head. Whereas it's just kind of just a light little thing to tie the plot together in the 99 version.
2: They just really wanted to get their money's worth out of the costume.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're $2.50 that they (laughs) spent on it.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, plus you gotta factor in the batteries to keep the, the, the air going in the suit. (laughs)
0: if that's how they did that because it looked to me like it wasn't very inflated Ah. if that's the case it was very floppy
1: (laughs) i'm curious about tom mclaughlin now (laughs) um okay so how did she end up with the flowers did she okay so she just was basically in the wood because of staring at the owl and then she probably wandered off from the owl after
2: she got
0: i think the owl does he just disappear i don't remember i think so I think she just leaves from there and then finds the flowers. It's not like they're outside of the house like they're supposed to be.
1: Which aside from the one in the middle, those flowers were kinda of racy in my brain.
0: They for they looked to me like they were trying to do like an Adam and Eve thing with the one, like with the like they were wearing tights but it was like the vine placement was <laughs> like they were supposed to go for like a an Eve look. Was, like in I, drawings I, of Eve.
2: Normally oh, but, Okay, go ahead. Oh, I just gonna say the I think with the rose, like they were trying to make her more not sensual but like more you know shapely and then you know the tiger lily was kind of more covered and the daisy was more she had the big
0: cape and costume and she was all which would be fine
2: but i'm like okay jonathan
1: knows i have a thing with talking flowers i love the talking flowers they muffed it like those (laughs) costumes were distracting (laughs) i mean just green screen it or something And if you look at the illustration in the book, it's so sweet. It's so nice. And yeah, so not a fan of these.
0: These were just people in green pantyhose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All over. Well, and I'm looking who played it. You had Sally Struthers as the tiger lily, Donna Mills as the rose. And obviously they're not like, you know, sexy actresses in their day, really. I suppose uh, Sally Struthers might have been, but... I mean, they were good looking ladies then and now, but I, I don't think that they were specifically like, you know, you know, you know brr, 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 you know, kind of like, you know. a <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, sorry, like a jazzy like, you know, walk into a room and there's that, that, that uh, right, sexy jazzy side. Right. Soundtrack. Like like purposefully <laughs> like
1: purposefully suggestive. They weren't right. those type of people. They I mean it may have just been their form what they thought was logical as costuming but i didn't
2: like it so yeah, i, <laughs> I apologize that didn't really work. i was hoping like in my head i was thinking like may west like walking into a room yeah. that didn't work very well i'm sorry what, what did she say is that a gun in your hand or are you just happy to <laughs> see yeah exactly exactly <laughs> come around to my place honey I, you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> i thought that they did a good job with the chessboard landscape
0: Uh, Yeah, I did like that, the pattern in the grass.
2: And they did did. actually, there's some fun trivia about that too. Uh, I I was looking at other stuff here. Let's see. Uh, Checkerboard clearing was created on the right side of the forest area on the MGM lot. Brown paper was taped to the bottoms of the landscape drops painted to tie in the checkboard main ground cover. It was planned as a false perspective grid pattern for the distant. So like the further it goes away, it looks Mm -hmm. like there's more to it. Who knows how much time that took? A
1: lot, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And they—I don't think they belabored her scene with the Red Queen too much.
0: I no, mean, it was—it was pretty quick, but I—I I liked how they did it. I liked the scene with her running and flying behind the Queen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and given that this was TV in the '80s, I thought that they did a pretty decent job with the green screen aspects for the most part.
0: Yeah, we've we've seen a lot worse. <laughs>
2: Like there was one or two that were kind of janky, but by and large, yeah, they did a good job with it.
1: And um, a fair amount can be said about the train scene, actually. In the book, she doesn't purposefully enter the train. It's very understandable that on this one, they would have her just run up and get on the train.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But in the book, she jumps over a book and then she's just in the train, which makes sense if you're dreaming. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um but I wasn't sure how accurate they were going. They were being to the scene in the book. And when I looked it up, they actually kept a fair amount of accuracy to the book in the scene.
0: Wasn't there a character missing? Like, wasn't there a bug, too? The
1: gnat was on the train, and a beetle was on the train. The beetle's what I was thinking okay. of. Because
0: they did put the gnat in, but in a different scene.
1: Right. But the gnat is just sort of with her on the train, and then post-train. Yes. And, yeah...
0: And it's actually a gnat. It's not like a giant human a in, in a man fuzzy in a costume. <laughs> costume. Yeah, no,
1: it's an actual gnat.
0: Which I guess is slightly understandable, because like, how do you represent a gnat on the screen?
1: <laughs> I mean, you could. You could just, just have the little a noise. a tiny black dot
0: and a noise. Yeah, yeah. And
2: which would be cuter. Um, <laughs> I suppose so trying to, trying to keep... Because it's not a long conversation... But to have that conversation where you see her slightly staring off in the middle distance, I suppose that's kind of... To go back and, like, unless you did, like, that and then the reverse perspective of the Nat and kind of you do a close-up on, like, a puppet and do a super close shot. Okay,
1: part of the dialogue, they sort of did it post-train, but it was on the train. Like, she didn't know who this little voice was in her ear. Like, they could have made that work. Oh, yeah. Um, But, okay, so... I think we had probably more than one famous person on the train car scene.
0: Well, the, the conductor was Merv Griffin, who was the guy who created Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune.
2: Really? Yeah. There was also okay. Pat Molina, or Pat, uh, what the heck? how do you Marita, I think. Yeah, from uh, Karate Kid. Right. And uh, I was thinking, did
1: they just make up this horse thing? It's like, no, they, there was an actual horse on the train.
2: The paper guy was, gentleman in the paper stu- suit was Steve Allen, and he's pretty i'm trying to think who he is i think he was a like a ed sullivan sort of or was he the guy that did the music was he on the show what's my line
1: hang on i can look here at least as a guest at different times
0: yes yeah he actually it says he wrote 19 songs for this miniseries so
2: wow okay so he was the music guy behind this i got him and steve lawrence or steven lawrence mixed up so now you have his face and his wife's face Yep, exactly. And then Patrick Duffy was the GOAT. So he was on um, was it Step by Step? Like, I recognize his face, but I don't know what I've seen him in. I think maybe he's
1: on Hallmark movies now.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't (laughs) be surprised. Um, He was also in Dallas. He was uh, Bobby Ewing. Oh, I think that's where my
1: parents would know him from. Um, And I thought maybe they were just Whistling Dixie when she pulled his beard but it's sort of they did it differently than in the book but she actually does pull his beard when the the train seems to rise in the air but instead of it stopping and her getting lectured and getting off it it, the goat just melts away and she's in the wood under a tree which fits in with a dream but in this it makes more sense for that to actually stop the train and for her to get in trouble
2: for it. Kind they had of. to give Patrick Duffy more time to mug the camera before, uh, before they <laughs> got rid of it. He's one of those characters that unless you know it's him, you're probably not going to know it's him. Oh, no. Definitely. They did a really good job with his makeup, too. Yeah, they did. I'm just thinking how, how much like newsprint it would have taken to like cover the suit for Steve Allen. Uh, that's... Well, and then like in the book, I think they just
1: have him covered in white paper. But, yeah... It's, it, it's an interesting touch to have it be newspaper, and I don't think that that's the first time that I've seen that in a version.
0: I, it's yeah. usually newspaper, so is it not newspaper in the well, book?
1: Well, let me, let me uh, look here. In the illustration, it's not newspaper, and I believe when I was reading it... Maybe it's
0: one of those things where one version did it and then all the versions have to do it afterwards.
2: Yeah, quite possible. It's making a statement on the state of newspaper print today. <laughs> yeah, he is a newspaper reading a newspaper. It's like meta.
1: <laughs> okay, all this all this time the guard was
2: looking at her first through a telescope, then through
1: a microscope, and then through an opera glass. Nice. Last, he said, "You're traveling the wrong way." And shut up the window and went away. So young a child, said the gentleman sitting opposite to her. He was dressed in white paper. Ought to know which way she's going, even if she doesn't know her own name. So yes, yeah, so just white paper. Huh.
0: That's interesting so I wonder yeah, pro- which version did it first and then every version afterwards does that. I
1: and you gotta wonder whether maybe somebody used newspaper because it was cheap and available
2: and
0: or more interesting to look at yeah or for
2: film it could have just been easier to photograph okay. like it gives it a little bit more distinction as to what it is
0: I don't Tr- know. true because like if it had been white paper people probably would have just thought it was a white suit. Yeah. Unless sure. they, like, added in a lot of foley of crinkling paper noises.
2: That or just, you know, you'd almost have to, like, like really crinkle it all up. That way it had more depth to it. Especially in, if in black and white, there's a good chance well, you'd lose it.
1: Oh, and in the original illustration, he's wearing a paper hat as well. Ah. And reading a newspaper. So maybe that inspired... I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting question. But anyway. Um, no, they actually... They actually kept a fair amount of the stuff in the book ish to this scene and uh, then she gets off and has the conversation with the gross gnat guy and
0: (laughs) george gobel
1: he's very kindly but that that costume is just i mean no it's just (laughs) awful and one of the things that they leave out of this is that you're supposed to have the whimsical insects.
0: Yeah, I was waiting for the like the rocking horsefly to show up and they never did that.
1: Like the she's talking to the to the gnat and he's talking to her about these whimsical insects, the the bread and butter was it the bread and butterfly?
0: Bread and butterfly, rocking horsefly. Was there a dragonfly? Snap dragonfly. Oh yeah.
1: Which snap dragonfly has to do with a Christmas game. Back in the Victorian period and maybe beyond, which my sister knew all about and I never heard of it. It was just so obvious to her. Um, Is that the
0: one that's like a pudding with mistletoe?
1: But there's fire and sparks and I don't know if you're just supposed to somehow... How are, you trying to, are you trying to put them out with your mouth? Or It was something dangerous sounding. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it would have been very obvious to the readers of this book what was being alluded to there. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. And then after this is the sort of enchanted wood and she does talk to the fawn. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but I mean the fawn does talk to her as well. Yeah. I think that fawn was just being rude in this in this version.
0: <laughs> it was just a little baby I didn't know English
2: yet. <laughs> well why not? Gosh darn it. <laughs> it should grow up for Pete's sake. Exactly. You're only a day old, well suck it up, cupcake. <laughs>
1: okay, so we move on to Tweedledum and Tweedledee. I don't know why, but I kind of liked having a woman play one of them. This the is parts. like my
0: favorite scene of the whole thing, oh, and, yeah, I, and absolutely- I loved it even more after I found out who they were. It's a married couple. Okay. Which I'd never like. I like when they gender swap characters. I like that if there's like a good reason to, and I think that's a great reason to do it is have a married couple play them. I I don't know why, but like the, the, this is a singing duo, Steve and Edie, Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and since there's so much music in this, it makes sense to actually get people who could sing mm-hmm. their way through this.
0: And even though I'm like I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the music, I really liked this scene.
1: I feel like that their song stuck out to me as more acceptable than a lot of <laughs> <laughs> it made more sense in the grand scheme of what was going on oh that's true it yeah. did because yeah and it makes sense to sing through the walrus and the carpenter even mm-hmm. though i don't think they do in the book it's but, just a poem in the book but i mean for film it makes sense to sing
2: through it
0: yeah and i liked how they transitioned into that like having them go through a cave and then they're out mm-hmm. on a beach
2: that is cool that does well kind of well. g- it kind of gives too to that like like you talked about the dream state aspect of things like mm-hmm. it kind of brought it back to that being that you go through one place and come out someplace else
3: mm-hmm.
2: i would also like to note that steve uh lawrence played uh, marty or maury slime in uh blues brothers which is a fun and interesting like it's kind of a goofy scene but it's a ton of fun he's also despite being born in 35 he's uh still kicking and doing stuff hmm. oh like the the husband of the duo or yeah yep okay
0: i know she's not because i was reading the wikipedia page and there was this really sad part of him talking about how he lost his Aww. like his best half or something like that
1: <laughs> poor guy she did look like a nice lady very
0: yeah as much as i liked them and i liked this whole scene i did not like the walrus costume
1: that was terrible oh my goodness don't meet that in a dark alley it's like (laughs) what kind of surgery did you have
0: the wiggly tusks
1: that's so no it it was that was messed up
0: i i think though you probably don't know who the walrus is you'll recognize him when i tell you who he played sarah carl malden he played the reverend in pollyanna <laughs> for those who can't see her jaw just dropped
2: <laughs> oh. is there a, a story or just generally the fact that oh my goodness
1: I oh maybe I can unremember that <laughs> Oh, no, like, that's one of the most memorable characters to me. Like, I grew up with that movie. I still quote the Reverend from Pollyanna, if not to other people. all I do to other people, but also in my head, you know, like, forever, I never. <laughs> like, oh, so the fact that that was... <laughs> That that was him underneath all of that?
0: That was him under the wiggly tusks.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm I, we're gonna have to move on before I've
3: recovered from <laughs> well, that, that... that
1: is so surprising. Like he's totally covered. I would have never known if you didn't tell me that. <laughs> also shout out to Christy, Desiree, Barbie, and
2: Janie. Oh, can you imagine trying to act through those oyster costumes? You knew who I was talking oh. about. <laughs> I have no idea who these people were. I felt like,
1: um, putting their names out there like Tom McLaughlin who actually turned out to be really colorful, but they may not be. A, there may not be as much information on the chicks in purple tights and oysters. I costumes. didn't even <laughs>
0: look up the oysters because I didn't think that they were actually... I just figured that they were dancers because you never see their faces. It's just oysters with legs.
2: Well, don't they <laughs> sing too? they do kind of yeah so uh i'm just looking up here i'm going one by one so chrissy or yeah christy is uh was a spokesperson for realtor.com back in 2001 she's a former <laughs> gymnast um she appeared in the company of cats in the in the role of rumple teaser making her broadway <laughs> show debut at age 16 like uh, the original cats that's what it seems to be wow uh let's see what else have we got here so, Desiree is known for adventures, known for Alice in Wonderland and Under the Rainbow. Okay. Uh, let's see. Barbie is known for Grease, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club, and Alice in Wonderland. And sorry, my computer is being really slow. Janie is known for Alice in Wonderland. And that's it. Okay.
0: So this was most of their biggest claim to fame. Exactly. Except for the one who was in Cats.
2: Exactly. And she also was a a spokesperson for Realtor.com back in 2001. My goodness, the fact that somebody from Cats was
1: also an oyster on here. I was not expecting that. (laughs) And Janie, like... She probably, you know, she may have met somebody on the set of Alice in Wonderland, and then they got married and had five kids, and she just didn't have
2: time to act and dance yeah. around in purple tights anymore. <laughs> That's understandable. You know, purple tights are hard to pull off regardless, really. But still, massive kudos to those guys for, for those four for being able to do that. Oh Well, one time
1: we watched an Alice play from, like, the 1920s, and it turned out that a couple of people did meet on the cast and got Aww. married.
2: Yeah. So I'm um, that's where me making that up in my head kind of comes from. I think that's cool though. If you can find true love at a place like that, you can make you can find someone anywhere. <laughs> that's a great story. Can you imagine saying, "This is my husband and he was an electrician and I was a dancer on uh, a version of Alice in Wonderland from the 1920s?" They were out in the woods actually i don't know if they had electricity
1: (laughs) yeah the the
0: theater was like a play that was like literally out in the middle of the woods
1: it was so it was so cool the footage was so cool that would be neat now there's just a feeling that comes with watching that it's kind of weird but so interesting um but yeah anyway uh (laughs) another another
2: rabbit trail there nothing wrong Um, with that those are those are the best kind
0: well, you also have The Carpenter, who is played by Lewis Nye, who I didn't think I recognized, but then I looked him up, and he was in The Beverly Hillbillies. He played Sonny Drysdale.
1: Oh. That's where I recognized <laughs> his face from. He seemed familiar.
0: Yes, that's, that's why.
2: Just like 20 years later or whatever. He was also an Inspector Gadget. Really? Yeah, he was Dr. <laughs> Spectrum. I don't oh remember my. who Dr. Spectrum was. He played a lot of voices, so... Okay.
1: And then, why do I have cute sheep that isn't bleeding in reality? Oh,
2: um...
0: Probably the queen. Yeah, the queen turns into
1: a sheep. Okay, so after this, they had the scene with the queen, the white queen, and the poking
2: of the finger and all of that, and... What was with the, um, she kept walking around saying bread and butter. Um... I know that back in the day, like, if you went, like, if you were holding hands with someone and you went, like, you let a tree like divide you you'd say bread and butter to you know like a lucky thing oh i didn't know that
0: <laughs> i've never heard that
2: well it was, a th- it was an old thing i remember seeing on uh looney tunes so that's kind of what i got from it i'm assuming that was a thing um I'm
0: interesting
2: here uh, bu, 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 bu,
0: bu. i remember talking about jam but i don't remember bread and butter
1: i'm not actually seeing oh wait wait here we go Here we go. The White Queen only looked at her in a helpless, frightened sort of way and kept repeating something in a whisper to herself that sounded like bread and butter, bread and butter. And Alice felt that if there was to be any conversation at all, she must manage it herself. So she began rather timidly, am I addressing the White Queen? So. Okay. um, It says it sounded like bread and butter, but you don't actually know whether that's what she was saying. And no, I don't know why she was saying it.
2: Oh, a uh, superstitious belief. Well, this doesn't really work here, but there is a superstitious belief that if a pair walking together is forced to pass on the opposite side of some obstacle, they should say bread and butter or risk a permanent separation.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> but
1: that why? really doesn't work
0: here. Well, what does bread and butter have to do with walking with a tree between you?
1: I suppose it's like stepping on a crack superstition isn't about logic so <laughs> but yeah maybe it was a saying back then yeah and then we have oh what was her song about
0: i think that she was singing about like her lines about jam
1: oh yeah jam tomorrow jam yesterday but never jam today and it was yeah this old jam jam jazz number <laughs> nice
2: I mean, if you like that. (laughs) Well, it's better than a jazz song about marmalade. Oh, my. Is that a (laughs) thing? I don't know. Just sounded good. It it
0: could have been. She could have said, like, if they'd actually had the marmalade in the rabbit hole scene, she could have sang that as she was falling down.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Now, I may have to take some time after this and figure out what all rhymes with marmalade. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Um, Now she's all cute and everything but the whole turning into a sheep like if i i think i knew what was happening but that was kind of
2: <laughs> it was odd
1: yeah which is an odd scene anyway but they made her kind of creepy for it and it's not supposed to happen out in the woods they're supposed to be in this weird shop like it's very strange in the book anyway so yeah they, they didn't have the
0: shop at all
1: they gave the truncated <laughs> version and they were never out in the boat yeah And, yeah. And also, okay, then after that, it's like she's being chased by a buzzard, which is actually supposed to happen, like, the whole creepy bird or whatever. That's supposed to happen during... It's supposed to be a
0: monstrous crow.
1: It's supposed to happen during Tweedledum and Tweedledee, not here. Yeah,
0: during their battle, which they didn't have a battle in this version. right? Which is fine, because they're a married couple. They don't need to be battling.
2: They had a a good marriage, so... I was going to say, because that could be the best of times the fact that they were married but understandable (laughs) given everything
1: um so yeah they decided to include a buzzard which i guess makes i mean it's a big bird it works but not accurate oh my goodness there was one version that we watched i was so disturbed i was so (laughs) they had this giant crow and there was something about it like i i looked away it it freaked me out and i love birds Mm -hmm. but Somehow, something about this one, man, that was that was freaky. Anyway, this buzzard was not <laughs> freaky; it was fine. And then after that, you transition back into the jabberwocky, don't you? Or, or is it?
0: She thinks that there's a jabberwocky, but she ends up finding Humpty Dumpty.
1: Okay, so we we aren't there yet,
2: and I think they did a fairly good job with the Humpty Dumpty scene until the jabberwocky, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Jonathan Winters. The man, the myth, the legend. I know the name.
0: So do I. The main thing that I remembered him from was an episode of The Muppet Show. Also good. But I don't know what else I would have seen him in. But I know I know him.
2: Right. Uh, He was in A Mad, 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 Mad World. He voiced Papa Smurf in the Smurf movies. (laughs) He was in um, Captain Planet. Uh, He was Eco the Clown.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't
2: know any of these. So it looks like he was also Grandpa Smurf in the original uh, Smurf series. That's interesting. I haven't watched the Smurf movies. I know.
1: I must know him from something else. Either that I'm just making that up in my head.
2: I don't know. Well, he was Papa Smurf in the in the um, Smurf movies, but then he was also Grandpa Smurf in the original like cartoon Smurfs. But I
1: haven't watched any of the Smurfs. Oh, got so. it. Got it.
0: It's probably one of those names where it's like he's been in so many things that you just know the name even if you he's only had a bit part and that's why you remember the name. True. That's true. Because he's been in so much.
1: Yeah. I think it's kind of amusing how they're interrupted by... The Jabberwocky. I had more than once where I was. I feel like I had more than once where I was watching this. It's like late at night, and all of a sudden the Jabberwocky's on the screen, which is not that scary, but it's not good timing. Like the how you know, it's like pro- I'm probably like the only one awake, and all of a sudden rah, on the screen, it's like this is not that scary of a
2: thing, but it's not a peaceful thing to be watching late at night either. Well, and the music and the other the other effects that accompany it definitely don't help with that. So. Yeah, I feel like aside from the Jabberwocky, they did a decent job with
1: the Humpty Dumpty scene, <laughs> and and then of course you have the whole chase through the woods. And I have don't think there was ever a tarantula in the book,
0: not that I remember.
1: No, and, I don't cer- know where and that certainly came from. no hiding in the woods from the Jabberwocky. So they're just trying to make this creepy.
2: And I kind of felt like, and I guess on the notion of overcoming your fears that's where i kind of thought they were going with the spider thing right. Not that they ever mentioned that she was scared of spiders but being that that is a relatively common fear yeah i kind of took that as okay she's going through the spider web going around the spider web or facing the jabber and it's like okay well you've got three well two choices but technically three you know <laughs> you could I think you, know, you thought this through more than I did. I overthink everything.
1: <laughs> but then she, I mean, manages to evade and um, Tom wanders off, off set. And doesn't she like, yeah. Then she like runs back opposite direction and ends up with
2: Harvey. Yes. Like you do. You know, I mean, if you're in the, in the sixties through the eighties or nineties, you definitely uh have- Will run into Harvey Corman pretty much anywhere.
1: <laughs> I said the White King is all right pre song, and then I put the song is more forgivable because it's Harvey Corman and John Stamos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, we should probably look this up, but the character that John Stamos plays, I thought it was supposed to be the March Hare. Because the March Hare and the Mad Hatter, I thought were the White King's messengers in I'm the book. I'm
2: looking. Well, because they mentioned the the Mad Hat. Well, I mentioned the Hatter being one of the messengers at one point, because it was Haya and the and the Hatter, one coming, ah. one going. Ah. Yeah,
0: because like in in the book, it has that spelling for the hair, but it says like specifically says that it's pronounced hair.
1: Okay. All this was lost on Alice, who was still looking intently along the road, shading her eyes with one hand. I see somebody now, she exclaimed at last, but he's coming very slowly. And what curious attitudes he goes into, for the messenger kept skipping up and down and wriggling like an eel as he came along, with his great hands spread out like fans on each side. Not at all, said the king. He's an Anglo-Saxon messenger, and those are Anglo-Saxon attitudes. He only does them when he's happy. His name is, it looks like Haiga... He pronounced it so as to rhyme with mayor. So, hair.
0: Oh, okay, that's what I remembered. So it wasn't like saying...
1: But, but here we go. In the picture, it actually
2: is showing a, a rabbit. Um, I just googled the that name without messenger attached to it, and it does come up. It, it lists it as March Hare underneath that. So I, I don't know if it's a... You know, like a, a Roman word for march hair or something along those lines or what? Or maybe, but... or maybe an old English word for hair.
1: Yeah. This is showing the hatter in this picture as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I was thinking that it wasn't and point for team Jonathan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I will still give you a point for getting everything else. So. Oh, thanks. Several points for you. Okay. Only one point Two for points. Jonathan. Oh no! <laughs> kidding, kidding.
1: <laughs> okay, so they have the the hair character, which it seems to be the the march hare, and then a little farther on, you have they place themselves close to where Hatta, the other messenger, was standing, watching the fight with a cup of tea in one hand and a piece of bread and butter in the other. So instead of Hatter, it's Hatta, in through the looking glass. Cool. Okay, and here was something that I was not expecting. I like the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: The Unicorn was Beau Bridges.
1: It's like eighties makeup or something. He's like an eight he's an eighties unicorn dude. And that was pretty good. <laughs> I I thought that the person that they picked for the lion actually had a good face.
0: The lion be. was Ernest Borgnine.
1: Which I know that name. Too.
0: I know him because he's the voice of Mermaid Man and SpongeBob. Mermaid Man, <laughs> and Barnacle Boy. Barnacle Boy was Tim Conway, actually.
2: <laughs> okay. He's Ernest like an Crioli. elderly superhero. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine, uh, he was in Mikhail's Navy. He was in, let's see, Airwolf, Escape from New York. He was Marty. If you go way back to the 50s, he's been in like so much stuff.
1: None of these are jumping out to me, though. And it's like, I feel like I know the name. This is another one of
2: those. If you saw him, I bet you'd know him. Like, just and as I may far like his face. I may have even Googled him, too.
1: Like, there were different people that I was Googling while watching this. And, okay, was Ernest Borgnine the, the lion? Lion. Mm-hmm. Bo okay. Bridges
0: was the unicorn. And Bo Bridges, I know he's a big name. The only thing that popped out to me that I knew him as was on the show Blackish. He's Rainbow's dad. That's the only thing I knew knew that I knew him from.
1: I really liked the introduction of Alice to the unicorn. It, I feel like it's like... If you want to compare what it's like for people from radically different parts of the world to maybe meet and become friends or get to know about each other, <laughs> I feel like this would be a good scene to insert. <laughs> and it's... I think it's sweet and amusing, so... I actually really liked that part, which I don't think I would have expected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's very rare that when a version does the unicorn, it's very rare for them for it to actually be good. Like normally the costumes are kind of off and the scene is kind of weird.
2: Understandable. Now he is a very like, and the music reflects that too. They did a really good, It's a good combination of things. And uh, so the white knight, is played by Bo Bridges' father.
0: Oh. Oh, that's right. Because I I talked about this in a different episode of the podcast that I did earlier this year with Mark Brown. We were talking about a version of Peter and the Wolf, and Lloyd Bridges was the grandfather. Hmm. (laughs) Nice. Which I thought that was interesting that he turned up in two different movies that we're talking about this year. Oh,
2: that is cool. I actually
1: thought they did a good job with the scene between the white and the red knight. Like, the interaction and everything, it was, it was good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I liked the white knight. I liked the way they had the horse done up. I Like, they were
2: starting out so well, and then it just got weird. <laughs> I will also say I kind of enjoyed the fact that they actually had like horses it's like the first besides like the fawn and stuff it was like the first actual like animal animal that made sense and into what Mm -hmm. was going on i didn't stop to appreciate that but you're right it was a good thing that they had actual horses
0: and it's kind of rare that they use actual horses because a lot of times it's the white knight on some sort of a stuffed thing or or a mechanical horse or a wooden Ah, horse
2: interesting
1: was i the only one who was weirded out by this (laughs) by the whole song that they did i think i was
0: kind of bored and i was probably tuning it out
1: (laughs) okay because it sounded too much like a love song to me and then at the end like i felt like they did too much of a a white knight and lady fair thing for an old man and a little girl (laughs) to be playing that out like it would make more sense if the night was a 12 year old or something but just the way they did it it just didn't like i don't think that they were trying to be creepy or anything but it just didn't fit properly with their ages in my brain
2: oh that's fair i i hate to say it but i kind of tuned out that part
1: okay so yeah <laughs> i was the only one tuning in on this one apparently
0: <laughs> i mean that kind of happens in a lot of versions with the white knight scene it just kind of gets boring through reason. here
1: <laughs> like it just goes sometimes the white knight scene can just go on mm-hmm. and on and on but they're doing it anyway <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no so with this one it did actually pass fairly quickly for me which I get, that's a bonus um <laughs> and then you move on to her being with The two queens, well, becoming a queen herself and being with the two queens, which was sort of accurate to the book. I mean, they did show off the fact that the Red Queen, yes, can sing loudly and (laughs) in a Broadway style. Yeah, they
0: turned the whole math conversation into a song.
1: Was that before the song about emotions?
0: I think so...
1: I wrote down a phrase from the song, "We've emotions, my
2: dear, till we die." <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's grim. <laughs> Even though it's—I mean, it's true, but, but And we, we have them after we
1: die too. Anyway, anyway it was like <laughs> this was a song there because they wanted a song there. I guess I don't know. Was it, just... it the song where, like,
2: um, right before the l- the lullaby? I think so. Yeah. Yeah i Did will say try. this for the for the math song being able to sing that quickly and to keep it enunciated will and i know that if you get a person that knows how to sing well they can probably do that but from an outside perspective i was like wow they're able to get that out quick if you're going to an inje- inject a song into this scene it makes more
1: sense to have the math song than mm-hmm. the one about emotions true very true and and the lullaby i think was fine too
3: yeah,
2: it's hard to screw up a lullaby. I mean, you well, can, not but... Well,
1: I think that they're... I think that's just closer to the book, definitely closer to the book than the emotions thing. Um,
0: well, they probably did it as a lullaby because, like, in the book, the queens fall asleep. So they probably... Right,
1: but I'm, I'm looking to see, did they have an actual... Gotta get past a sitting on a gate...
0: That's a scene that almost no version ever does.
1: I feel they had it in the one where, like, the guy who played Bilbo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, like, the only one I've ever seen where they so did the sitting on a gate poem.
1: Okay. Yeah. In the book, the Red Queen does do a lullaby. And it's probably the same lyrics as they had in the the movie, because it's hushabye lady in Alice's lap till the feast's ready, we've time for a nap. When the feast's over, we'll go to the ball, Red Queen and White King white queen and alice and all. okay so yeah there you go i thought the castle was nice i mean maybe you had more to say about the white queen and red
2: queen but
0: i think we covered pretty much everything there
2: yeah, yeah. i mean cheryl can't cheryl can't ah. Ch- carol channing woohoo you know so that's that's <laughs> anyway sorry <laughs>
1: But no, I don't know how often the hall is as nice as it was in this one. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, the spread... hall isn't
0: always the most inviting party scene that we've seen. And this actually this one was better nice. than like, most.
2: They had the whole spread. Mm-hmm. And it was a proper castle. It wasn't. It didn't look like a set. It looked like it was actually shot. Like the walls had weight and depth to them and such.
0: You got a lot of returning characters in this scene too. You got the queen of hearts and the king the hatter, hare, and Dormouse all come back cards, birds there's like a huge musical number with everybody
1: which actually that song was pretty okay, the welcome song mm-hmm. and then you have the part with the present which I was rather expecting to be the plum, the sentient plum pudding, it's so was I <laughs> but no,
2: the Jabberwocky's back Well, you have to ask, what is more scary, a sentient plum pudding or the Jabberwocky? (laughs) The
1: Jabberwocky? I
2: don't know. Plum pudding
1: can be pretty scary. I could go for some... Can you tell I'm hungry? Like, I'm... Yeah, plum pudding would be good right about now. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, plum pudding makes sense in the dream. Well, Jabberwocky would make sense in a dream too, but... No, and doesn't the owl tell her like she's never going to grow up until she stops being afraid or something like
2: that? Yeah. Yeah, she stops because they, they chase her upstairs and uh, she's trying to say, Oh my goodness, owl, can you help me? I, I don't want my friends hurt. And yeah, they basically, he's so like, to quote Home Get over it.
1: <laughs> to quote Home
2: Alone, you're never too old to be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a pull up your bootstraps, 1800s English mentality.
0: Right my 80s. note for the scene was the owl says suck it up <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> i
1: understand it if they say face your fears but just they seem to be saying get over your fears and it was in the end i don't know that she ever truly stopped being afraid but she stood up to him so yeah.
0: but this whole chase scene lasted way too long
2: i feel like it needed benny hill music
0: <laughs> uh, yeah that's basically what it was <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, and hopefully the white knight was okay. Oh yeah, he was, because he was in the last, he was towards the end singing at her.
0: Yeah, it seems like he gets killed, but he doesn't.
1: Yay! We haven't talked about the end song. Okay, so she is triumphant in facing her fears. Oh yeah, she tells it, she
0: doesn't believe in him and he disappears.
1: And she gets invited to have tea with the grown-ups. And then you have an end song where she's looking in the mirror and some of the cast is singing to her about something and how they love her.
0: I don't remember what the song is about.
1: I remember that it ends with, I think it ends with them saying that they love her. They start singing, Welcome Christmas. <laughs>
2: um, uh, <laughs> I feel, It felt kind of odd
1: to me because, like, the characters aren't always pleasant to each other and... I don't know, it just felt odd to end it with how they love her. I don't know.
0: It was it was odd, yes.
1: So, yes, this was odd, and we spent hours of our life <laughs> watching and writing and talking about it. <laughs> and oh. we're better because of it.
2: Are we? Something. Are we really? It's It's not about the story, it's about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I, for one, will never forget the weird collection of eyebrow coverings that peppered this entire movie.
1: I may never forget the fact that I was actually kind of okay with John Stamos being on here.
2: <laughs> 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 like, dude's character was pretty good. It was, it was an odd choice, but you know, it worked, oh, he's a young, handsome guy at that point, so. Uh,
0: and they didn't put a, any weird facial coverings on him. Yes. Like Although they had have quite a what was his cat. name? Scott Bio is Pat in the scene with the at the house. Mm-hmm. Like he's another teen heartthrob, I believe. Oh yeah, but they had very him much in a so. lot of fur.
1: I wouldn't have known. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, loaded with people, and you expect Alice to be odd, but this I, I I expected to like this more than I did, and then I also had moments where I liked stuff. Where i wasn't expecting Mm -hmm. to have these moments of actually enjoying it and it took a while for me to work my way through it i don't know how much they broke it up when they played it on television but really an hour for both of these would have been enough for me to watch (laughs) and take notes on not three plus hours
2: that's fair and i think it was broken down between the two nights so the way that it's Mm -hmm. broken down on youtube um where it's an hour and a half like where the break comes I think was probably where the break came between the two ups. now obviously there was commercial breaks and those I think were pretty well like when it dropped to black I think was probably when like the commercial breaks were Mm
1: -hmm. and I didn't watch them all on the same day but because I wasn't enjoying it as much it just took that much longer I think like I said I think I liked through the Looking Glass better than the first episode and yeah, there were these, these different nuggets in there where I actually enjoyed it.
2: Well, and if you can pull that from there, I think that says, I mean, that's I think that's good in itself, you know, you were able to see the positives and the negatives in a in a, in an unequal parts and i think that's worth quite a uh, lot
3: too <laughs> i mean more
1: like three quarters negative quarter positive
2: <laughs> but that's still you were able to like you didn't go into it you know put your hand you know after the first 20 minutes put your arms across your chest and go well this just sucks you know you didn't can't- take that perspective
1: Five years into this, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> like, oh, <no. laughs> like we have... Oh, it's really rare for us to actually skip stuff that we don't like. We just endure it and then <laughs> complain about it on, on for the podcast but we did have one with songs where we were in agreement we actually skipped a bunch of the music and it was so nice that we
3: did
0: <laughs> that, that's one that I re-released it as a podcast this year it was one of the first ones I did in the first year I believe and I originally thought maybe I would rather not re-release this one and just talk about it with you <laughs> because it mm-hmm. was so uh, interesting <laughs> I mean, I will admit some of the.
2: Oh yeah. Well, and I will admit some of the shorts that we've done, those were uh, not simple to get through by any stretch. (laughs) Just because they, the quality given as such, like I know that the the very worst quality one with uh, Dinah Shore as the voice of Alice, Mm -hmm.
0: the horrible animation.
2: Right. Despite the fact that the animation was horrible, like the the story behind it and being that it was more authentic to the original and it had Dinah Shore in there, kind of gave it that. It felt you know the the animation was added after and is meant to make it goofy and stuff but the work and time that went into the audio end of it i could mm-hmm. look at and say okay that's you know that's a good thing i mean you look at the star so, power in this thing and oh sorry go ahead sorry dinah Shore did more than one alice then didn't she
0: we're the one we're talking about is one you and i re-reviewed as a radio play that right. radio play was taken and turned into a terrible animated special oh. so
2: bad
1: Oh, okay, okay. Which Truly I haven't, I tortious. haven't had you
0: endure. <laughs> and you, will, you, if you saw some of it, you would thank me for not making you watch it.
2: I don't Agreed. have to watch every episode. <laughs> okay. That is one hundred percent fair.
1: <laughs> so, did everybody have closing thoughts, or or a favorite character, or a favorite part, or?
0: My favorite part for the first one was Sammy Davis and the dance their Father William dance. And in the second part is the Tweedles and their song. Not necessarily the walrus costume from the song, <laughs> but I liked their whole scene.
2: And what about you, Nikki? I, I really enjoyed the Sammy Davis Jr. part as well. I think it was the most entertaining part of it. And it, you also had just, there was a lot more to it. It wasn't just... You know like you say it wasn't just caterpillar and alice it was explosions it was some tap dancing it felt and obviously that i think they put a lot of production into that part mm-hmm. probably because it was sammy davis jr and i guarantee you that he probably made a pretty decent bank over what he did um i also really enjoyed the the cook and the duchess part just because it was so random and goofy and weird and there were parts that were like ah but overall it was just a super fun part um on the last bit, I like the the oysters dancing part just because of what it would take to do that. And the math song was a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, and my brain is stuck on the unicorn. <laughs> but if that's something that you haven't seen in other parts, that's still pretty awesome. And it, I mean, it was it, it was a surprisingly, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't played for weird. It was played for truthfulness because you would. I mean, you go to someone that you haven't you know a kind of person that you haven't met before and all you have is stereotypes and you meet this person and it's like in your head you say you know what you're not a monster you're not a weird person you're not all of these things that I've heard about before it was just lovely yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's good that's awesome <laughs> so yeah we we
1: all found some good in it and hey to everybody out there who's been asking for this it's finally Coming to you. So, it's good, done. Good it's done. Have, yeah. <laughs> By the time you're listening to this, it's after <laughs> <done. laughs> Jonathan spends who knows how long.
2: Editing. It's going
0: to be a little while before I get this one edited.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. You're, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. We, we did it. And
1: we, yeah, you got us coordinated to actually do it together. So, that's good. Yes. Exactly. It, it's Finally.
0: been a pleasure.
2: <laughs> nice meeting you. Same. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I guess until next time, do you want to let people know where they can find you?
2: Uh, certainly. Uh, so, if you're looking for uh, movie reviews on random, obscure, and straight up bad movies, you can head on over to Trivial Theater on YouTube. Um, I cover quite a wide variety of things, and I have collabed with quite a few folks on some very interesting movies, both mainstream and obscurely. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Trivial Theater.
0: Okay. I mean- Sarah, did you want to promote anything? <laughs> uh,
2: I'm not
1: on social media, but I do have art out on the internet. My artist name is Turnip Wilson. And I'm on <laughs> yes, that's, that's awesome. a story. That's a story. Okay. Yeah, that's a story in itself. But yeah, my artist name is Turnip Wilson. And um, I have most of my stuff up on Redbubble and I started an account on Society6 a while back and I have some things on there as well I'm on Etsy but that shop needs restocking so best places to look would probably be Redbubble and Society6 and that's um, watercolor and pen and ink and you know different whimsical whimsical types of things as well as realistic
2: anyway (laughs) there you go cool
3: thank you
0: okay well thanks for doing this we might have to coordinate another version another time because i think there's other versions that i think the three of us could talk about Oy. <laughs> Oy. All
2: right.
0: so until next time
2: bye see you
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to the Every Version Ever YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Come along and pass through
3: the looking glass into Wonderland.